0: This is our week three in our Lifeline series, and as we get rolling into it, I, I, I kind of feel that sensation, I think, that Pastor Brantley was feeling, and I guess it's just the idea that I don't feel like worship might be over just yet. You know what I'm saying? And uh, um, we just sang a song that said, he is worthy of his name. Do you all know what the name Jesus literally means? It literally means rescuer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That he has come to save and to rescue us. Amen. The word Yeshua is where we get the name Jesus, and Yeshua means Yahweh who saves, or the God that saves, the God that comes and rescues, and I just want to take a little bit of time this morning before we preach, if God has brought you out of anything, can you lift up his name in this place, amen? Yeah, 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 I said if he's brought you out of anything, we ought to lift up his name in this place. Our thought throughout this whole series has been the idea that if he has rescued us, that we ought to live like we've been rescued. And I mean, I'm telling you, anybody that's ever been set free from something, anybody that's ever been rescued, you know, it doesn't matter if you got lost in the woods, it doesn't matter if you were lost at sea, it doesn't matter if you had a heart attack, it doesn't matter what it might be, if you hear a story of rescue, those people treat life different from that moment forward, Amen? Just, it's, just, it's just something about it. And I think sometimes the church of Jesus Christ, we forget what that cold, dark sensation of sin felt like. That life-controlling sin, what it felt like before rescue. And we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Amen? Apart from Jesus, we are, have nothing. We are nothing. We, we can't walk in anything. We, we miss it all. But God came looking to reconcile. Shout, reconcile. Reconcile. Reconcile us to the Father. Jesus came to reconcile us back to the Father. And we've been teaching the last few weeks. If you missed last Sunday, please go back and check it out. That when you get Jesus, he connects you to the Father. And when you get the Father, you get all that heaven has. Ooh, amen. amen. It, this lifeline, it pulls us toward the things of God. And not only that, it doesn't just pull us to eternity. It allows us, bring it like this. I told you guys two weeks, I, 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 I stained alive. Okay, that's ridiculous. We're not gonna do that no more. It connects us to heaven. Everything that God has becomes something that we can access. Shout access. That was so good. I mean, there, if you will, in that rescue boat is all that we need, and God pulls us to Himself and says, Here you go, everything you need. If you're here today and you need deliverance, it's there for you. Amen. If you're here today and you need peace, it's there on that rescue boat for you, you know? If you're here today and you need confidence, how many people here lack confidence? I know. <laughs> I knew that was going to come out like that. <laughs> but, man, Jesus, our rescuer, can give you confidence that's not your own. I, I, Pastor Brantley, man, he can actually be, God can make you like Brantley. It's awesome. How many loves Pastor Brantley? I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the last few weeks we've been looking at this idea of of, of a lifeline that we have and that our rescued life ought to be lived differently. And, um, And the thing about a rescued life is it's not a life lived alone, okay? Once you have rescue, I'm sorry, he didn't just save you, all right? I know sometimes we act like that. But he didn't, he saved you, he saved your neighbor, he saved a bunch of folks. And I want us to stand to our feet, I want to read a passage of scripture. This has been kind of a working point for us. We're going to put it on the screen, this is out of the message. Listen, a rescued life <coughs> is a restored life. The last few weeks, we started with the rescued life, we looked last week that a rescued life is a reconciled life. If you want some good practical theology, go listen to it last week, amen? Scotty Bagwell, what's up? love my brother Scott. So when it comes down to why I said that, (laughs) when it comes down to the second thing is a rescued life, this week is a restored life. We're going to look at this idea of restoration, this idea of, of, of reconciliation that leads to restoration. And then last week, next week rather, as we finish, we're going to look at a rescued life as a rescuing life, you know, that it's a released life, that God takes you. Man, don't miss next Sunday. I'm just telling you right now, don't miss it. There's some life stories that are going to come across next week that's going to blow your mind, All right. And then finally, when it comes to this idea of being rescued, we become new creatures in Christ, please, if you have not yet been baptized, we want to celebrate that with you, that you've been rescued, you know? We want to stand and shout on the, the, the deck of that rescue vessel that you are a part of this boat, that you have come to the faith in Christ, that you are a part of the church of Jesus Christ, amen, and with that on May 6th is baptism. So if you have not yet been baptized, but you have professed faith in Jesus, you can go to the app, the Momentum app, and you can sign up right on there, amen, and you're all like, pastor, I've been standing, preach, I stand for two services, so be quiet, Okay. So listen, a rescued life is a restored life, but you need to understand, restoration never happens apart from relationship. That's where we're heading in today, because relationships get strained, don't they? Watch what the Word says. I love this. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. Our firm decision is to work from this focus center. What is our focus center as Christ followers? One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. Isn't that awesome? We've all been rescued, and we're all on the same boat. Yeah. Great. How many has been on a small boat before? Yeah. We're all on the same boat. Right? Like Gilligan's Island sometimes. It's crazy and there's strife and struggle and issues. And but we've all been invited to the same boat. Watch this. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrection life, a new life. So yeah, we're on the boat, and yeah, there's going to be some relational issues, but we have a new life, a life that is reminded that we were once dead, but through Jesus, we are now alive. And every single person on the same boat, we're once dead, but now through Jesus, we're alive. And we ought to live life differently in light of that rescue, right? We ought to treat each other differently. We ought to go through conflict differently in light of that rescue. Why? Because it's a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Father, I ask over the next few minutes that you would just help us, Lord, to be able to teach your word and to give us a practical picture of what it looks like to work, work toward restoration in our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat. This passage continues on, and I'm just going to read in verse 16. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. So if I'm having issues with Scotty, hey, buddy. You know, I'm not going to regard him according to the flesh. I, I realize that my flesh is flawed and his flesh is flawed, you know. And so if we're having issues, this isn't, this isn't a flesh issue, y'all. This is a spiritual issue. Your beef with me is spiritual. You understand? It's not just physical. It's spiritual. And when we go through things with folk, it is a spiritual thing. And we ought to act like spiritual people. Amen? Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Now watch this. Last week we looked at how he reconciled us, but watch. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you see that? He reconciled us, and now we have this ministry that no matter what is going on, we ought to be reconcilers. We ought to be people that bring things together together draw things to a place of restoration. Amen. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. But y'all, can I tell you something? I know it's going to surprise you. I ain't Jesus. Jesus doesn't count your trespasses against you, but I will. I don't mean to. I just I'm human. But this word tells me I'm human, but I'm not a human like I I should be running my life by the physical. I'm a human that is now a new creature in Christ Jesus, and all things are passing away, and all things are becoming new. Do you know when it says new creature in the Greek, that word is not the idea that you are, are Eddie with Jesus tacked on. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean now you're this new creature that's Eddie with Jesus tacked on, Russell with Jesus tacked No, no, no. It means that you are something this world has never seen before. And sometimes we got to remind ourselves like that, that I need to act like I've been rescued so fully that this earth, this world has never seen Ross Wiseman before. And when I come into conflict, I'm going to deal with conflict in such a way that's not natural to my normal way of doing things, but supernatural. God, help me deal with conflict in a way that honors you. Because y'all, we're in the same boat. And being in the same, look at this room, it's almost full. Being in the same boat, man, there's tension sometimes, amen? There's tension, they're like, mm-mm. <laughs> there's not tension. I'm going slice you if you say it again. Now, there's tension sometimes. You know? <laughs> you know what's funny about it? There's tension even in church sometimes, you know? Sometimes it's worse. You know, I've heard people say, Well, I'm just keeping it real. Just keeping it real. Don't want to be hypocritical. Just want to speak and keep it real. My emotion is keeping it real. Yeah, you're keeping it real rude. You're keeping it real ugly. You're keeping it real <laughs> selfish. You're keeping it. Smile keep it real no no there ought to be a sense of yes we ought to be able to be ourselves with each other but man we're new creatures we ought to be able to live in a way where we have a ministry of reconciliation and when we come into conflict we ought to be ministers of reconciliation even if we're partly to cause even if we're partly at fault you know We ought to be those who are representing our reconciling Father. Listen, reconciliation, it always points to the need of two people or groups of people whose relationship is strained and needs to be restored. That's why you need reconciliation. Because there's strain in the relationship. When I think of a strained relationship, can I just say it? There is no greater strained relationship than that between God and unrepentant man. Between God and man, and God gave everything so that man could be reconciled to him. Literally, in that while we were yet still sinners, God demonstrated his love toward us, and he, he died for us. Literally lay, showing us how to lay our stuff down for the good of another person. He literally showed us this by sacrificing his own son. And Jesus laid his life down to bring everything from one side, holding nothing back from us. Literally, he had nothing he held back from us. Then to be on the other side, we rejected, we cursed him, we stiff-armed him, even believers at times, myself included. There's times I push away. God called me to come here and plant this church 13 years ago. And to be quite honest, we moved here 13 years ago. It was 18 years ago when the Lord put a dream in my heart to come to Georgia, I don't know why, from Ohio. Because he loved you guys and he wanted to bless you. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what it was. But God put a dream in my heart and I fought it for years. And the last few months where I finally was done fighting, the Lord just said, are you going to let me be God or is Mansfield First Assembly of God going to be God? man, it was heavy. You know, I didn't want to follow his will. I wanted to stiff arm him. I wanted to reject because I liked what I was doing in Ohio. I liked having my mama and my daddy just down the street. Amen. I liked being in a place I was comfortable and God was pushing me, but I was stiff arming him. I was pushing against being in his boat, if you will. And all of us have things in life that at times we push against God, but God loves us anyhow, man. He, He reconciles. He pulls us in to his plan for our life and Jesus laid it all down so that we could be reconciled and restored, and we've got to model that as well. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Psalms 133, and it speaks, it just says how good and how pleasant it is for people to dwell together in unity, you know? You think about it, when it comes to not being reconciled, maybe in the home there's some issues that you're not reconciled with, or maybe a workmate you're not reconciled with, or, you know, maybe, maybe your boss, You know, clearly my staff has not that problem, that you're not reconciled with, you know. But when that's the case, it's not good, and it's not pleasant, right? Behold how good and pleasant it is to dwell in unity. As a church, we're, we're trying to pursue unity in the body. You know, all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, all different economic backgrounds, all different social backgrounds, all different, different, um, just everything. There's a sense of unity. I love that. It's good and it's pleasant. It's not good and it's not pleasant when we don't reconcile. Amen? It's not. And that verse, if you read it, it'll go on to some promises of God. It talks about this anointing that comes upon those that, that seek to be reconciled, that seek to walk in unity. Literally, it ends with this verse. It says, for there the Lord commands his blessing, life forevermore. Ooh, where? There? If you look at that scripture, it's it's not Jerusalem. The verse before it is talking about Zion. It's talking about Jerusalem. But the way Hebrew poetry works, that first verse links up with that last verse, completing the thought. And it's, behold, how good and pleasant it is to dwell in unity, for there God commands blessing. When God commands blessing, ooh, you walk in it, amen? That's the God that said, let there be light, and there was light. That's the God that Jesus stood outside a graveyard, and there was things dead. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And with the command of Jesus' voice, Lazarus had nothing but to be reconciled to that word, amen? Couldn't help himself to walk up out. And there's some things in our life that are dead. There's relationships that are strained. There's some stuff we're dealing with. And God wants his commanded blessing on it. But if we don't fight for unity, we won't walk in it. If we don't fight for reconciliation that brings the miracle of restoration, we will miss, we will miss it all. Amen? And there's some folk in here today, I'm sure, that you have differences of opinion. You have things that you're frustrated with other people. I, I'm not going to fault you. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like, Pastor, I was wrong. You don't know what they said about me. You know? Well, that might be the case, but everybody knows what you're saying about them because you won't stop talking. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> no, maybe in your situation you've been talked about. Or, or maybe for you, your motives were doubted. And you're just, oh, you're so not reconciled right now. You're so angry. You're so frustrated. And all I'm saying is if we'll strive for unity, God commands blessing. That's so much more important than my opinion. Amen? What God wants to do is so much more important. When God rescued me, I lost my right to fight for my opinion per se. Amen? at least at the expense of restoration, at least at the expense of walking in reconciliation. When he died for me, I lost my right to hold on and not embrace, to hold back and not walk in reconciliation that leads to the miracle of restoration. Amen? Why? Because he rescued us, and we've got to have that kind of mindset with others as well. And it's easy, because whenever you're going through something, you have an opinion, you have something that you're you know, they did me wrong. I, I can remember years ago, I was cleaning carpets. I'd come back after doing some work as an uh, intern at a church in Pennsylvania, and I was traveling and preaching, and in between preaching, I was cleaning carpets for Stanley Steamer, and I was getting ready to marry Amy, my beautiful Amy, and, um, and as I was preparing, man, I hadn't seen her in a couple weeks. I mean, it was like they were working me to death, and I came home one night from a, a night job or a day job, and I got back about 6 30, and I'm cleaning my truck, and I go in to um, check out. And when I go in to check out on the wax board, they had my name up for a night job. And our manager who was supposed to do it. His name was off. And man, I got mad. I didn't feel very reconciled. And in that moment, I started looking at his hours because the wax board showed it all. And I'm like, this dude, man, he's only worked like 40 hours this week. This is Friday. And I'm like, 80 hours. I got to go do a night job. This is going to be horrible. i got to go back out 11-something at night. You don't get paid to drive to the shop. You don't get paid to go back home. You get paid a couple hours. This is horrible. You can't make any sales because it's a night job. It's already sold. So, man, this Jew's not happy. Just being honest. Just being honest. This wise man's not happy, you know? And so I call up my my manager. And I'm upset. Steve, what in the world's going on? This is ridiculous, you know? And I begin to vent my opinion. And he tells me, you stay put. Don't you go anywhere. You stay there. And here's the thing about this. When you have opinions, my perception formed my opinion, and that shaped my reality, all right? And my perception was that I'm the best tool they've got, you know, in the toolbox. I'm the one that, that, that makes the sales. I'm the one that the manager even told me. I make more money since you started working for us than I've ever made here before because he made a percentage off of me, and I could sell because I tithed. This isn't a tithing sermon, but I just got to say, I'm just going to be honest. I can remember as a kid, as a young guy, selling people would say, how do you sell so much? Because I give God 10% of everything. So when I say to somebody, you want to buy this? God grabs their head, and they go, yes. (laughs) Yes, I want to buy that. And I'm saying, every secular job I've ever had, man, I've always risen to the top of the sales charts and stuff. Why? Because I tithe. And God, yes. And so, I'm just being honest. I mean, that's, that's not in the sermon, but that'll work. So... So this guy tells me all this, and now he's just abusing me, literally. I mean, literally working me to death. And so here's what he says. He says, "Stay there. I'm coming." And he lived close to the shop. He shows up, and he goes, "Can I tell you what my reality is?" Our boss had taught us to talk in reality. You know, like, like this is my perception. So this is my reality. This is what I'm. This is my opinion. But this is what I'm feeling. So he comes. He said, "Can I tell you what my reality is?" I said, "Yes, Steve." He said, my reality is this, my daughter has been under an oxygen tent all week long at Mansfield General Hospital, and Dan, the boss, told me to stay with my family as much as possible and to work as little as possible. I'm a cad. What a heel, you know? In that moment, his 40 hours seemed like, how in the world was this man working 40 hours this week? Complete different perspective, right? And I just felt like an idiot. I had to ask forgiveness because he knew I was a believer. They used to call me Reverend Cash, which cracked me up. Because they, they knew I was called a pastor, but I love sales. I do. You know, I'll do this for free. You know? But if I'm working for the world, man, I'm making me some money. Come on. So. So <laughs> they knew I was called to pay a pastor, and this was just a time thing. But, um, but with that, you know, he just, he just was just laid it out there. I felt so bad. I asked him forgiveness as a Christian. I've done you wrong. I said, can I go home and get a shower and come up and pray? I believe in the effectiveness of prayer. Can I come up and pray for your daughter? And they said, yeah. And so long story short, went home, got a shower, went up there. We laid hands, had to go through this little the glove thing. We laid hands on this little girl in the oxygen tent. And the next morning, she came out of the hospital. True story. <clears throat> guess where they showed up? They showed up at church. And then guess what? They got saved. I'm telling you. And then we baptized them. Woo! Is that cool? Not only were we reconciled, because we begin to understand where each other's positions were, opinions were, per- perceptions were, realities were. Next thing you know, we're reconciled, but God's restoring them to them- themselves amazing blows my mind how God can do that you know but I had an opinion was I wrong with my opinion I just didn't have the full story we just hadn't dialogued enough to get to a place of restoration we just hadn't reconciled we hadn't had a choice yet and when he came we chose to talk through this and as we talked through it God did a miracle and that's the difference guys between unity and discord it's the conversation And it's both parties having a desire to make restoration the goal, even if it seems a long way off. Some folk won't be patient enough to get to restoration, all right? Because it is a hard thing. There's a miracle that takes place that brings restoration. I'm going to show you this here in a second. Let me give you kind of a a little picture here. This is going to be a lot of fun. You guys remember last week I was preaching... And I was talking about the paintings. Remember that last week? And we had the different if you missed last Sunday, go back, listen to the podcast, or watch the 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 live stream. Everybody, wave at the live stream. Hey guys, man, I'm glad you're here. If you're local and you're not here, come next week, okay? So last week was raining, so we had like 50 people less. You don't do that. That's not what live streams for, okay? Show up. Even if it's rainy. So, but last week, I, I, I t- told you the story of, a, of an artist, Paolo Veronese, and how Paolo Veronese had drawn this amazing painting, and he called it The Last Supper, The Last Supper. And in it, the church went crazy. In it, the church went nuts. I mean, they, the leadership, oh my gosh, there's buffoons. Remember this? There's buffoons, there's dwarves, there's drunk Germans, I'm just saying what the history said, okay? Beata, don't get mad at me, girl. All right? Yeah, this is just what history said. That's all. I'm just saying what history said, you know? And then other scurrilities. Remember that? And we learned what scurrilities meant last week. That was kind of wild. And the church had an issue with this painting. And, and, and then I told you how they celebrated Da Vinci's Last Supper painting, right? And they made Veronese change the name. Actually, they changed the painting, and he said, forget it. I'm not changing my painting, he just changed the name of it. And instead of calling it Last Supper, he called it the feast at Levi's house or the feast at the tax collector's house. And guess what? The church leaders were fine with that because they felt it wasn't as central to the gospel as the message of the Last Supper. And so they were okay. And I told you last week, to me, that is the message of the Last Supper, that his body is broken for those that are walking in scurrilities and drunk germans. And drunk Americans, (laughs) you know, and and other buffoons like Pastor, right? That, to me, it is central. And as I began to share that last week, you know, there were some people that got offended. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Listen to this. And I have no clue why they got offended by that. I'm just kidding. It was a little offensive, right, Beata? I was just making a picked point, though, you know? And then we looked at the Last Supper of Da Vinci. Kind of boring, once you look at it at that point, right? So my office last week got stirred up. It got crazy in our office last week, and um, and I, I just want to use some of the craziness that happened to kind of help us get a picture of how hey, how how restoration works. There we go. Oh, this is great. Don't you love it? That's, say hi, Pastor Stephanie. You knew you wanted to see her this week, right? <laughs> and so now here's the thing about it. Wouldn't it be great if all your disagreements happened with somebody to look disagreeable? You know what I mean? But but when it comes down to it, let me let me show you something here. When it came down to it last week, we have in our office, and we haven't got to celebrate her publicly yet. So today we're going to get to celebrate her. We have in our office Nora Went who is an a, a intern all the way, you ready for this? All the way from Germany. Amen? Well, Nora, would you come up here? And so, here's the thing about this. Man, our office went nuts last week, and here's the reason why. Nora was mad at Stephanie. Just being honest. She got mad at Stephanie because, you know what? Stephanie laughed at that drunk German joke last week she got upset, and all week long, she's been just like, nine, nine, <laughs> I don't, the only German I know are cuss words, so I'm gonna keep my mouth shut, and so, <laughs> and all week long, I mean, they're not talking, it was just ugly, and, and so, you know, the thing with this, though, I think it'd be better if we had the real rude, keeping it real rude, Stephanie, come on up here, Stephanie, there you go, kid. All right. And so all week long, they're frustrated. And here's the thing. Stephanie laughed. It was funny. Pastor was just making a joke. Do I really think all Germans are drunks? No. 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 And she laughed. How many laughed last week? Nervously, Hunter Cartwright raising his hand because his wife, Biata is a drunk German. Um, she, that was funny. So she so She laughs. And it puts Nora on edge, you know? Now, here's the thing about it. This is her, you ready for this? Opinion. Thank you very much. (laughs) Everybody shout offense. offense. And you're welcome again. So, this is her opinion. This is her offense. And she's holding tight because she can't believe that Stephanie laughed at her. And it's ridiculous. Now, Stephanie has an opinion, too. Because Stephanie's been to Helen, Georgia during Oktoberfest. She's been to Das Biergarten. And she has seen said Biergarten. And for her, she's like, that's a bunch of people imbibing. They're all drunk Germans. So she's laughing. This is her, everybody say, opinion. This is her, everybody say, Offense. All right? Because she's been offended all week long. I've, done, I've let you lived at my house. Let you lived at my You've lived at my house. i trying to speak German. I've got messed up. And now you're not going to talk to me? You know, you've kicked my cat twice. You know? And so they're fighting. They're arguing over their everybody's Opinions. Yeah, they're fighting over all this kind of stuff, you know? Now, here's the thing about this. Stephanie, I do think, is more of a, a, of a, of a Vernese-type person, you know? But, but, but they're just getting to know each other. They, they don't realize. She thinks she's a, a Da Vinci person. Everything's just perfect, just right. We know, Stephanie, it's not that way. But they're just getting to know each other, you know? And so there's this division that takes place. They're both pulling. Now, here's the thing. Remember, your perception forms your opinion, and that shapes your reality. Amen? Your perception forms your opinion, and that shapes your your reality. Now, Now, here's the thing about this. Because the goal in all this, when we have a difference, we have a goal, don't we? And the goal that we have is one of restoration. Amen? God wants us reconciled, and through that reconciliation, God wants us to come to a place, glasses are falling off, God wants us to come to a place of restoration. Amen? Now here's what the problem is, okay? If I am holding on, if Steph and Nora are holding on to their opinion do you realize they can pull as hard as they want toward their opinions and toward protecting themselves because of their offense? They can pull and pull and pull, but they'll never get one step closer to restoration. This is what divides us. This is what keeps us from walking in reconciliation to a place of healing because I'm not letting go of what I know I'm right. You have worked me to death. You have just time and time again, I just, I'll never say no, and you've taken advantage of this, and I'm pulling. And Steve's at home going, my daughter, I can't believe that punk preacher kid, you know, is going to treat me like my daughter's in an oxygen tent. But if we didn't talk about it, we're pulling our opinions, and we're never getting to the miracle of restoration. Amen? So what ends up happening, because you can pull. Go ahead and pull, girls. Women, ladies. <laughs> You can pull in the direction of your opinion, but you'll never get any closer to restoration. Never. And now here's what happens. After a while, this kind of loses its thing, you know. You need bolstered. You need strengthened. So you need to have, you know, somebody else on your side. And so next thing you know, Nora's like, you know what? I'm going to get another drunk German. Good idea. Christine, come up here. She's come on her side. And I call this, can I get a witness, somebody? Can I get a witness in this place? This is what I call it. Can I get a witness? Everybody say witness. You know you want to say it. Can I get a witness to testify for me? For me? For me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what happens is she ends up getting herself a witness, and she... Ties that witness, oh, EBay. There we go. She ties that witness. This is the only thing I didn't practice, Jared. Everything else we put. There we go. She ties that witness to her opinion. She locks her down as a witness. And here's what happens about witnesses, you know? You need a witness too. You know, let even get up here. Let's get you up here. You're on the front row, you know? And that might be like, you know, can you believe that? She hasn't talked to me. You're too good. You are too good, Pastor Stephanie, (laughs) to have somebody in your house treat you like that. Don't you know? (laughs) Eating your groceries, drinking your food, and she kicked your cat? Are you kidding me, you know? (laughs) Maybe some head shaking. I don't know, you know? So. Next thing you know, you got your witness. Here's the thing. This feels good for a second. It does. Because in that moment, yeah, you're right. I can't believe they treated you that way. I can't believe it. I can't, you know, but it doesn't feel too good. It doesn't last. It's a very temporary solution to feeling good about this thing that's keeping you divided, that's keeping you from restoration. So what ends up happening is she needs to get Beata up here. Beata, come here, sweetie. Come here, sweetie. One more, one more German on this side. Hallelujah. I don't know what I'm gonna do in the second service. Gotta find me some more Germans in this. Yeah, don't stumble. Don't, don't, don't stumble. That's so wrong. That was so wrong. Das uns bad, pastor! (laughs) Grab up here. And so, Nora, she ties her to that opinion, okay? feels a lot better, you know. Ooh, starting to feel good. You know, let's, let's get, I'm, I'm gonna get my daughter. Come up here, Auburn. Get up here, you know, because you're, you've been a fan of Pastor Stephanie since you were a little girl, you know, and you know, you don't even care if the opinions are right or wrong. You just want to be loyal because you love her, you know, and so with it, yeah, that, that evil Nora, you know, can't believe she's doing this, and you get tied to her opinion, and now guess what you have. It feels good for a moment. It's just a witness, But after a bit, it's not witnesses anymore. It's allies. It's allies. I want you guys as allies to get, don't pull the thing apart, but pull, okay? Here's the thing. I don't care how many allies you get. If you're pulling towards your opinion and you're not working toward restoration, guess what? You don't get closer. You can have 30 people on each side. And all that happens is you get allies and enemies. That's it you get camps. That's it. But they pull, pull, pull. Are they getting any closer to restoration by pulling? No, not not at all, you know. And so these are two wrong paths that we take. We take the path of getting witnesses, and it's temporary. And then we take the paths of building allies, and it feels a little more permanent. The sad thing is sometimes it is permanent, and sometimes it robs you from the best that God has because restoration is pretty awesome. Amen? Restoration is pretty awesome. Unity is pretty awesome because it promises a blessing from the Lord. That unity brings the commanded blessing of God. It's worth fighting for. Amen? And so then, listen, in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said this because we saw how God handled our differences against him. He reconciled us through the blood of Jesus what he did. That's what God did. And so then with that, we can see in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus told his disciples, let him deny himself. If you're my disciple, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. If anyone would come after me, whoever wants to be my disciple, they need to deny and take up their cross. Literally, Jesus took on the burden of sin. Can I tell you something when I say that? He was right completely, and you were completely wrong. He was the one that had every right to be offended. The cross is even a thing of offense. He had every right, but he still came. Why? Because this was more important than anything. God reconciled us He gives us a ministry of reconciliation so that we can find a place of restoration. So that God can bring that healing work that we so desperately, desperately need. And so Jesus comes and he says the same thing to us. He says, if anyone would come after me, whoever wants to be my disciple, listen, I'm going to kind of re- Reward it a little, deny yourself, let go of your opinion that's keeping you from reconciliation and restoration, and take up your cross and follow me. Was it fair that Jesus had to go, you know what? I'm right, but I gotta let this go. No, but he did. Why? Because restoration was more important. Reconciliation was more important. Amen? And so we have got to be a people who take up our ability to let go of our opinion. I'm going to read James 3, verse 13 through 18. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness, everybody say meekness. It takes power and restraint to be able to walk in the wisdom of God. There's a meekness. Yeah, but I'm right. I know, I know, I know. So was Jesus. But he took up his cross. Was that because he was weak? I'm going to be strong. No, it's because he was strong. He took up his cross. It's meekness. It's power and restraint. And he laid it down so that we could be reconciled to him. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes from above. It's earthly, unspiritual. It even says demonic. It's kind of a list. It could even go to that far. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist... There will be disorder in every vile practice. Listen, but the wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. And verse 18, I love. And a harvest of righteousness, righteousness is right relationship between God. And man, watch this, this is your harvest that's coming, right relationships coming, restorations coming, reconciliations coming, amen? A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see that? There's a difference between making peace, there's a difference between restoration and reconciliation. This idea I'm gonna make peace and what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and let, let our allies go ahead and go back to their seat. All right, if you will. Can you thank them for coming up? <laughs> so when it comes to this idea of making peace, that, that, I, I love the Old West, you know. And they actually was a weapon, that Colt 45. It was called the peacemaker. It, 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 there's force. It takes force to make peace. It's not a weakness To say I'm going to take my opinion and my offense And I'm going to reconcile it to the Lord And I'm going to go forward toward restoration That's not a weakness That's the ultimate strength It's a choice in meekness It's power and restraint to do what you need to do next And so here's what I want to show you The rope is the pathway to reconciliation But you have to let go of your opinion And reach for reconciliation If restoration is ever going to become a possibility Do you catch that? So I'm holding on. As long as I'm holding on to this, and I won't grab the rope of reconciliation, there's no hope that I'll get to restoration. And a lot of times, this looks like too big of an obstacle. There's no way this is going to get fixed. There's no way I can get to a place of restoration. This is too difficult to get to, so it's easier for me just to hold on and fight. It's easier for me just to keep my offense, keep my opinion, find my allies. You know what I mean? But what God wants us to do is drop that. But I might be right. You might be. That's why you need to grab the rope. Because you won't know until you start talking. And you won't know until you lay this down a little bit. And deny yourself of this. Pick up your cross. This is hard. I know. So is a cross. And you walk in reconciliation. And as you do so, God will bring this miracle of restoration. Watch what it says in Matthew 5, verse 23 through 25. So if you're offering your gift at the altar... And there, you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly, shout quickly, with your accuser. Now, here's the thing. Coming to terms quickly with your accuser, does that mean it's all figured out? It really doesn't mean that. This is a miracle. But you'll never find the miracle of restoration without putting your hands, taking the opinion and the offense and letting it go and grabbing that rope of reconciliation and working to a place where God gets involved. Behold how good and how pleasant it is to dwell in unity. For there, the command of the blessing of the Lord happens. Life you know what's so cool when you look at that passage in psalms it says that this unity it's like the oil that comes upon the head of aaron and down upon his beard and down upon his vestments who was aaron aaron was the first priest so it's saying it's like a priestly anointing how many know when things are rough and agitated you need some anointing amen need some oil everybody say oh yeah you need some of that you know yeah you do And what's beautiful about this is it's a priestly anointing God begins to place on us. Because why? If we'll do this, we'll show the world Jesus. That's what priests do. They show the world Jesus. So if we'll do this, people get to see Jesus. The church gets to be the priest to this world. Amen? Then it goes on, and it says that not only is that anointing going to come, it says it's like the dew that comes upon Mount Hermon down upon Mount Zion done some study. It takes a strong rain for that to happen. There's a refreshing that's going to come, but you've got to target reconciliation first. This is part of that refreshing, that restoration comes. Amen? Then the final verse says, for there, God commands blessing. It's worth it. Amen? Thank you, ladies. Can you thank them for coming up? They looked a whole lot less mad now, huh? Amen. Amen. So, one final scripture. As we close today. Turn your Bibles, if you will, over to Matthew chapter 18. So I can choose to hold on to that. Look, can we call that a grudge, maybe? Whatever you want to call it. I can hold on to it. But can I just tell you, if I choose to carry a grudge, it is an offense. It is an offense to the cross and what Jesus modeled to us at Calvary. Oh, I can hold on to it, but it's a greater offense. But I've been offended. It's a greater offense to hold on to it and not work toward reconciliation. And the offense is to Jesus himself. Amen? Amen? It's a greater offense. Can I just say it this way? You can't carry a grudge and your cross at the same time. you can't, hold oh, for a season, it's going to eat away at the heart. You can't carry your cross and the grudge at the same time. You can't hold on to unity and hold on to discord at the same time. You just can't. And God wants you to take that path of reconciliation to that place where healing comes. And it's hard to find that path, amen? As a church, I just want to read a scripture. This is something I feel as a church that we, we need to hear, and this is going to help us. How do we move forward? Maybe for you, there's something in your heart right now you know there's somebody that you need to go talk to don't hold so tight to your offense I mean I can I tell you that don't hold so tight go reaching for the rope of reconciliation amen amen I don't know who that might be today that you need to hear that but, but this is your week don't wait well, well pastor what if they don't reach back I, you're not responsible for that but you are responsible that you reach so reach Let go of that offense and take that rope of reconciliation and move toward the hope of restoration because that miracle is on the way. I believe that. Relationally, that miracle is on the way. And now from a sense of prescriptive, a a sense of prevention, you know, how how do we move forward? And I'll just say it this way. It's so easy to want to run and make witnesses and allies. And Matthew 18 just kind of shows us what Jesus would have us do. If it's in the house, if we're struggling with each other, and that's gonna happen, right, right? You're gonna offend me, Scott. I doubt it, I doubt it. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Watch this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, between you and him alone. Go talk to that person, you know? And if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. And then it goes on, if he doesn't listen, you can take a couple people with you, still with a heart of restoration. But so often, have you heard? Did you know? Can you believe it? Those are all words that stirring witnesses and allies. And I just feel as a church, if we're having somebody in our house coming like that, how do we fix that? All we have to say is, have you talked to that person yet? I can't believe that. Have you talked to him yet? No? Well, then I'm not going to talk to you about it. You got to talk to that person because we're going to be biblical. But it's scary. I get that. I get that, I understand, I'm afraid I don't care if you're afraid I want you to be biblical How many know it's fearful To do what God would call us to do It's fearful to let go of our opinion Reach for reconciliation But what's beautiful is Psalms 133 teaches us That we have that promise That he gets involved And he speaks blessing And that blessing is the miracle of restoration Amen Give God some praise, amen thanks for joining us for this episode of fuel for the journey for more information please check out www.momentumchurch.tv